God promises to speak to us through his word as we read the Bible, so we're going to ask uh, for his help to do that. So why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for the chance to gather here tonight. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this list of examples of faith we read in Hebrews. Lord, we pray as we read it that you might inspire us to uh, live lives of trust in you and your promises. And we uh, pray that you might help us as we do that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, every four years, the world fixes its eyes on the Olympic Games. Uh, Well, it's usually every four years. Um, We've had to wait five years this time. But the good news is is that after these Olympics, it'll only be three years until the Olympics in Paris in 2024. Uh, But what happens is that when the Olympics roll around, we glue ourselves to our TVs and we watch the fit and fast bodies run and jump and swim their way to Olympic glory. And it's amazing. Literally, like, uh, if I was to think back to kind of the glory days of my life, they were the Sydney Olympics in 2000. Now, I know some of you weren't even born then, but the year 2000, it was my first year out of high school. I was at university. I was 18. I was able to, old enough to go to the pub. Uh, I was old enough to take myself off to the Olympics, and I went and saw as much as I could. And so every four years, we, 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 we fix our eyes on the Olympics and on these amazing people doing these amazing things. And every four years, there is a significant number of people who are inspired to get off the couch and get themselves moving and get themselves into some sort of sport. And so I'll be sitting there on August 7th and I'll be watching the TV and I'll start thinking to myself, you know what, it's not too late for me to start my synchronised swimming career. If they can do it, I can do it. I'm there with you, Paul. It's going to be awesome. Because I won't be alone. Like, after the Olympics, there are gyms and sporting clubs and pools. They see an increased interest in sport. And there's a reason for that. Because seeing other people succeed at something inspires us to succeed as well, inspires us to give it a go. Seeing their example, their achievement, it shows us what's possible. And it spurs us on to keep going. And that's exactly what Hebrews chapter 11 is all about. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 is doing for us. Uh, It is giving us an example to follow, an example of people who have persevered in trusting Jesus, particularly trusting Jesus when life gets tough, when life is difficult. It motivates us to what uh, we could say is persevering faith. Uh, And what it does is it lifts our eyes above our struggles, it sets our vision on something and someone else greater than the problems that we have around us. And it does it by showing us all these legends from the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. And they, all these legends, they all have one thing in common. And this is the thing. When things got tough, they had faith. They trusted God all the way to the end. Uh, if you're wondering what faith is, uh, it says there in verse 31, it says, uh, this is a bit of a definition of faith, uh, confidence in what they hoped for and assurance about what they did not see. Now that's what faith is. It's confidence in what they hoped for and assurance about what they did not see. Uh, The Apostle Paul, who wrote another part of the Bible in uh, uh, the book of Romans in chapter 4, he speaks about faith. He's talking about Abraham, who gets mentioned here. And he defines faith like this. And I think this is a really helpful definition of faith. Uh, He says, Faith is being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he has promised. It's being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he has promised. Fully convinced. Uh, Now, many people, that's not how they think about faith. Uh, Often people think about faith as a leap in the dark, uh, some sort of irrational feeling rather than a reasoned trust. Uh, The the dictionary on my computer, I looked it up, it said, uh, faith was 
uh, a strong belief that's based on spiritual conviction rather than proof. Rather than proof. Just kind of this blind optimism, this naive hope. But that's not the sort of faith the Bible is talking about. Faith, according to the Bible, is being fully persuaded to be fully convinced. It involves looking at the evidence for Jesus. It looks, involves looking at the evidence for the authority of God's word and making a considered decision that it's true and right and that you can trust it. And that you can trust the God who inspired these words as good and faithful and that his, he has done what he said he has done and he will do what he says he will do. And so Hebrews 11, it motivates us and it it, it persuades us as it uh, presents before us this great cloud of witnesses, it calls. Great examples of faith. uh, And they're there for us to inspire us and they're there for us to imitate them. Not not intimidate them, to imitate them. And when we look at these examples of faith, we see three key lessons. Uh, It's there on your uh, sermon outline. Uh, Three key lessons we need to learn about faith. Um, if we were to have the persevering faith that they had, which is the, the faith that perseveres to the end. And the first lesson is that faith is a way of life. Faith is a way of life. Uh, faith is not an optional extra. Uh, the characteristic of the person who trusts in God is that they, they trust God and they live their life by faith. Uh, it's, what, it's their trust in God that defines their relationship with God and it's the thing that defines their whole life. Uh, now, often people uh, talk about faith as, uh, as, as a one-off decision, uh, uh, as if it's the initial response you had. So when someone explained to you that God loves you, that Jesus came and he died on the cross for your sins so that you can be forgiven and can be friends with God and have eternal life with him, and if you, the, 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 the day that you heard that, and you're like, yes, I'm in. Uh, often people say, that's the moment of faith. And as important as that moment is, and as important as, that, as the faith and the trust in God that's done in that moment What we see here is that faith is not just that one moment, but it is a lifestyle of daily confidence in God. And we see this as these heroes here. Faith was their way of life. They lived trusting God. Now, it's pretty clear with uh, Abraham. If you have a look there at verse 8, it says this about Abraham. It says, By faith, Abraham, when called to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. You see, by faith, Abraham changes his life and lives, uh, lives in a completely different place, in a completely different way, because he's trusting the promise that God had given him. See, faith for him was a way of life. Not just particularly trusting God on one day because of a particular promise. No, it was a dynamic, ever-developing relationship of trusting God. A relationship that resulted in him moving home and becoming a nomad. And it almost resulted in him sacrificing his son. As he lived a life trusting, constantly trusting in what God had promised. And chapter 11 is full of all sorts of people like this. Uh, it stretches from creation in verse 3 right through to Jesus in chapter 12. And it's got people of all walks of life. There are young, there are old, there are men, there are women, there are rich, there are poor, there are Jews, there are Gentiles, there are people of significance, kings and rulers, and then there are nobodies, people that we've never even re- really heard of or read much about before. But their common link is faith, that they lived a life trusting in God. And so this lifestyle of trusting in God, trusting in God every day, it isn't reserved for the super keen Christians, like the people who kind of pack their bags and head overseas on mission. 
Uh, Hebrews is showing us that this is what every authentic follower of Jesus does. This is the way of life. This is how they live. Each and every day, trusting God. And so what does that look like? Well, second thing we see from our heroes of the faith is that it's trusting God in active obedience. That, what it's simply it's saying that it's faith that's lived out in actions. Now, have a look at Noah there in verse 7. Uh, Noah, uh, by faith, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. You see, Noah's faith, his trust in God, he trusted that what God said was true and meant that he went away and he did something about it. His faith meant active obedience to what God had told him to do. He started building an ark. And it's not simply kind of an, an intellectual uh, acknowledgement of certain things to be true, but it's an active trust. Uh, it's the same again for Abraham, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac, his son, as a sacrifice. You see, Abraham's faith in God's promises, faith in his God's word, obedience to God's word, meant binding his son, and it meant raising his knife, because God had told him. Faith here is active obedience. Same again for Moses. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. Moses' faith meant that he walked up to Pharaoh, the most powerful ruler in the world, and he said, let God's people go. And he did that because God had told him to do. He was active obedience to the word that God had given him. Same again for, for Joshua and for Rahab and all the others. All these examples of faith, it meant that they heard God's word, they trusted it, and they did what it said. And genuine faith will always do that. Now, sometimes I think we can be uh, tripped up by the way that we use faith in, our, in the English language. Uh, uh, sometimes we confuse faith just simply for belief. Uh, and it can be helpful for us to realize that uh, where belief becomes faith is when we actually act on it. Uh, now, you might have a friend who's trying to convince you to go bungee jumping, uh, but you're not keen. Uh, you don't like the idea. Uh, so your friend, they, they, they diligently sit down and explain to you all the principles involved in bungee jumping. They explain the physics and the mass. They explain the, the safety systems and all the precautions they take to make sure you're safe. And they, they even explain that statistically, bungee jumping is, um, uh, is three times safer than riding a bike. And you can believe your friend. You can go, yeah, I'm, I totally believe you on all of those things, but you're still not going to jump you're still not willing to trust your life to the good folks at AJ Hackett and their big elastic band, are you? Because so, belief in something is different. Because if you, you, you can believe the facts, but it's not faith until you've put it into action. It's not faith until you've actually taken the leap. And this is what we see in this great cloud of witnesses. We see faith that leads to action. Now have a look there at verse 29. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. There's the action. There's the active obedience to God's word and promises. And they walked through the sea. Verse 30. By faith the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. There's the action again, demonstrating the trust in God's promises, the trust in what God has said in his word. Time and time again we see from these heroes that faith is a life of active obedience. Not just believing something to be true, but actively living out that truth. Uh, now, obviously, we live in the world of COVID and vaccines and uh, like leaders and public figures everywhere, all over the planet. They're, they're fronting up to press conferences 
and they're explaining the science behind the vaccine and they're listing off all the benefits of getting the vaccine and they're saying that they believe the vaccine is safe and that we should all get it. And that belief is all well and good. You can believe these facts, but it's not until the needle goes in the arm do they have faith in the vaccine. Uh, and that's what many of them are doing. They're, they're getting the needle in the arm, they're getting the jab, and they're doing it in front of the camera so all the world will see that they have faith in this vaccine. If you're wondering, my advice, get the vaccine, okay? Just, just in case you're, you're wondering where I stand on this thing, get it. Um, uh, but it's, you, you can believe all these things to be true, but it's, you're not actually putting your trust in it until you actually act on it. Uh, belief in action is what faith is. The third thing is, uh, we learn from this great cloud of witnesses, is that faith is a life of active obedience which looks to the future. It looks to the future. Uh, now, the, the future, it always shapes uh, how we... Sorry, our lives are always shaped by what we expect in the future. Uh, if you expect it to rain, uh, you'll take a coat. Uh, if you're in Wellington, you take a coat, you don't take an umbrella. That's how you... If you walk around Wellington, that's how you know who all the tourists are because they have umbrellas. Uh, Wellingtonians wear coats because coats don't get blown inside out and get stuffed in bins. Um, if you're expecting an exam this week, I know some of you have exams this week, if you, if you know an exam is in your future, well, then you study, right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, for some of us a little bit older, you know, we're, we're expecting retirement, and so we save and we make a plan for our retirement that we expect to be not too far away. And these, we see this in the lives of these heroes. They, 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 they saw something in the future that God had promised. They saw that, that, that God had told them this is what is going to happen in the future, and so they shaped their lives in the present accordingly. Because God promised a flood, <coughs> Noah starts building an ark, even though the skies were blue. Because God promised a nation would come from uh, his son Isaac, Abraham was prepared to offer him up because he knew that God would deliver on his promise, even though he didn't know how it was going to happen. Because God promised to give a people, his, uh, give a land to his people, Joseph made arrangements for his bones to be carried to that land. And the list just goes on and on and on. The person of faith looks to the future. And they trust what God is saying about the future. And then they shape their life in the present accordingly. From what they, from what they know of what God is promising in the future, that's how they shape their values and their priorities and their lifestyle. Their present reality is, is shaped by what God says is coming down the road. And they even sometimes look to a future beyond their own life, trusting that God will deliver on his promises, even if they won't see them this side of the grave. We see this in verse 13. Verse 13 there, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. And then verse 16, For they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You see, living by faith means looking beyond our present circumstances, good or bad. Uh, we'll look beyond them and we'll live beyond the here and now. We'll live for what God has promised in the future. And what has God promised in the future? Well, it says here, a better country, an eternal city. Uh, in, in the last book of the Bible, in, in the book of Revelation, in, the, in, the, in Revelation chapter 21, we get this really vivid picture of what God has promised. 
Uh, the Apostle John is given a vision of, of what God has promised, and he says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. You see, faith is a life of active obedience that looks to the future. It looks to this future. It looks to this future when we will be with God, where there will be no more crying or pain or death. And when we know our future, we'll know how to live in light of it. We know what the future holds. We know what we need to do in the present. Um, I got married a few years ago, 17. Um, uh, one of the things that uh, Dell let me do uh, for our wedding was I got, to organize, or I got to organize two things. I was allowed to organize the cars and I was allowed to organize the honeymoon. And I like, I like, I like creating surprises and Dell likes receiving surprises, so it kind of works out well. So I kept the honeymoon a surprise. Um, she knew we were going on a honeymoon, um, but uh, only two people in the world knew where we were going, me and the travel agent, and that was it. Uh, she didn't find out where we were going until after the wedding, uh, which was lots of fun, but Adele needed to know what her future held so she would know what to pack. And so uh, I would be sending her these cryptic photos of our destination so she could get a vibe for what she needed to pack to be ready for the future, to be ready for, uh, to be prepared. The original readers of Hebrews... That, that picture in Revelation 21, that, that picture of dwelling with God, that picture where, where God will wipe every tear from their eye, where there'll be no more death, where there'll be no more crying or mourning or pain, that was the, that's the picture that God has given them of their future. That is what God will bring them to if they keep trusting and following Jesus. And so despite their present sufferings, they were to live in light of that future reality. They were to trust in God's promises. They were to follow these examples of faith. Because that is where God is taking them to be. See, faith is a way of life. Faith is active obedience to God's word. And faith is uh, looking to the future that God will provide. Uh, Now, of all these great ones we have in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, there is actually one who is the greatest, uh, one whose faith is so inspirational, who is so crucial and so significant that, that Hebrews talks about them as the pioneer pioneer and perfecter of faith. Uh, It's not rocket science to work out who that is. Uh, That's Jesus, isn't it? Have a look there in chapter 12, verse 2. Having chapter 12, verse 2, fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, Jesus, he is the great, greatest person of faith. Uh, every human endeavour has its great ones, uh, people whose kind of achievements and their abilities in that area become kind of synonymous with that area of expertise. In classical music, you've got Beethoven and Mozart in painting, you've got kind of Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo in science, you've got Sir Isaac Newton, maybe Albert Einstein. In, in baking sourdough, you've got Dave Giesbers and Andy Williams... Um, shining lights in their field. Uh, if you don't believe me, then I think we've got some of Andy's sourdough, as Andy's ciabatta with our, our soup later on. So get stuck in, stick around for dinner. Uh, if you've got dinner plans, you can cancel them and stay around. Um, shining lights in their field, head and shoulders above everyone else. 
When it comes to faith, when it comes to a life lived in active obedience to God, when it comes to a life that is lived dependent upon God for their future, Jesus is the one who eclipses them all. He is the ultimate example for us to be inspired by. Without Jesus, our faith would be worthless. So Jesus is the pioneer. He is the perfecter. Uh, Now, there's a whole bunch that could be said about those two words, about those two ideas about Jesus. But on a fundamental level, it's saying this. It's saying that Jesus is the beginning and the end of faith. Jesus is the pioneer. He is the founder. He is the first. Uh, It was always God's plan. Right from the very beginning, it was always God's plan to save the world through Jesus. That wasn't God's plan B. It was there from the beginning. He is the pioneer. And Jesus is also the perfecter, the one who completes our faith. Our faith is only effective because of what Jesus has done. It's through his perfect life of obedience, through his sacrificial death on the cross for our sin. It's through his powerful death-defeating resurrection where he raises to life again. It's through those things that Jesus has done, that God has completed it. That our faith is actually effective because he has done everything that we need. Which means that Jesus is the one who stands behind and guarantees and delivers on the promises of God. Uh, When we go to the shops, my son Finn uh, likes to get my wallet out and he likes to get my credit card out. uh, And he does this because he likes to do the pay wave thing when we get to the cash register. Uh, He wants to um, wave it near the little, what do you call it, the FPOS terminal, and hear the little beep as the money exits my bank account. Uh, and he's been asking, as we go to the shops, when he can get one. When, when can he get a magical card that he can just wave at the cash register so he can buy all the books and chocolate and ice cream that he wants? But I don't think Finn appreciates that this only works if it's linked to an account that has money in it. In the same way, our faith is useless unless it is linked to something that is real. Unless, unless it is linked to Jesus' perfect life unless it is linked to Jesus' death on the cross for our sins, unless it is linked to his glorious, death-defeating resurrection, Jesus has done it all. He guarantees and delivers on the promises of God. He is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And so Hebrews, in this section, it urges us to keep the faith, to keep trusting and following Jesus. And it finishes with three things for us to do. Uh, Three things for us to do. The first is to throw off everything that entangles Uh, Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Uh, I I, I was really glad to hear uh, um, from Kat before. Uh, uh, She was a typical Kat. She was humble and modest. Uh, Kat, when she says triathlon, uh, she means Ironman triathlon. Uh, and if you wonder what Ironman triathlon, it means swimming four something kilometres, riding 180 kilometres on a bike, and then running a marathon, all in the one day. Now, people who run marathons or do Ironman triathlons, they don't carry anything extra with them. It's not like they, um, you know, go to the shops and pick up the shopping on the way and just stick it on the back of their bike and ride that round for 180 kilometres. That's crazy. If you're running a race like that, if you're working hard, if you're, if you're trying to go the distance, you jettison anything that is going to slow you down. Uh, there's a whole section of the Guinness World Records book uh, 
there's a whole page dedicated to people who've run marathons wearing crazy things. Uh, I think there's a picture of a guy coming up who ran the London Marathon wearing a bomb disposal suit. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? It took him six and a half hours. I, I, I once I ran a marathon. I can tell you, you do not carry anything extra. The same here with this race that Hebrews is calling us to, the race of faith, to, to persevere. Don't carry any extra weight. And so what sins are you allowing to cling to you? What extra weights are you going to carry? What other goals or hopes are you going to kind of hold on to and try and drag them along with you as you trust God and follow Jesus? If you want to make it to the end, Hebrews says you've got to leave everything that will distract and trip and entangle you. You've got to leave it behind because it's not easy. It says that we need to run with perseverance. Um, you don't persevere at something that's easy. It, 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 kind of, it implies that it's difficult, doesn't it? I said last week, I don't have to tell my, last time I don't have to tell my, my children, don't give up eating your ice cream. It's the same thing with like, persevering. If you've been told to persevere with something, it means it's hard. Let us throw everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. You see, the life of faith that we've been called to here, it will persevere. It will keep going even when things are difficult. Even when it will be easier or more comfortable just to throw in the towel, to give up, to walk away. And it's acknowledging it's not going to be easy to get to the end, to get to the end, keeping on trusting Jesus. It's going, to determine, it's going to require determination. It's going to require resolve. It's, it's the, sort of faith, the sort of faith that perseveres is the faith that says, uh, I'm going to trust God even if dot, dot, dot. That's the sort of faith that perseveres. I'm going to trust God even if my career doesn't work out the way that I'd planned. Even if I don't get the house I always dreamed of. I'm going to trust God even if I remain single for the rest of my life. Even if I get sick. I'm going to trust God even if there's not enough money in the bank at the end of the week. That's the sort of faith that perseveres. It can be tempting, though, to switch our even if to what if. And when we shift our even if to what if, the shift happens that we, we, we shift our focus from God and his faithfulness and we start to shift our focus from God and his faithfulness and onto our problems and our struggles. And we start to say things like, I trust God, but what if? I trust God, but what if my child gets sick? What if my career doesn't work out the way I planned? What if that person that I love doesn't reciprocate it and love, it, love me back? And you see that the what if, it shifts our focus. It shifts our focus away from God and his faithfulness. I'll trust God even if anything happens. And, and now it's, I'll trust God, but what if? And our focus is now shifted onto our struggles and our problems. And when we do this, we, we risk having a faith that's entirely dependent on our present circumstances, just on what's going on around us at the time, how we're feeling in that moment. And, and that sort of faith will not persevere. So then rather than, rather than focusing on our problems or our struggles or, or all the things that could potentially go wrong, Hebrews gives us something else to do. Hebrews says, 
Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Uh, when I was learning to ski, uh, I learned to ski in a country where they actually had tre- uh, trees on the snowfields. Um, and the instructor said to me that when you're going through the trees, don't look at what you don't want to hit. Okay, so, so when you're going through the trees, you don't look at the trees. You look at the gap between the trees. It's the, same, the same is true of mountain biking, if you've ever been mountain biking. If you look at the rock, you will hit the rock. It happens every time. Uh, if you look at the cliff, you'll fall off it. D- don't do it. Because um, uh, what happens is where you look is where you end up going. Where you fix your eyes is where you end up heading. And so where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? We want to go and be with Jesus, don't we? We want to go and be with the one who has defeated death. We want to go and be with the one who has sat down at the right hand of God on his throne in heaven. We want to, we want to go and be with the one who has prepared a place for us where there is no more crying or pain or tears or death. And so Hebrews says, fix your eyes on him. Focus on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And I'll finish with these words from chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we uh, so desperately want to make it to that place that you have promised, where we might be in your presence, where we might be freed from death and sin and suffering and pain. And so, Lord, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. Lord, help us to throw off everything that uh, will slow us down. Lord, help us to live lives of active obedience, trusting in your promises about the future so that we might have faith that perseveres to the very end. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.